This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. We must monitor coronavirus, Craig. Unfortunately, once again, Jay Powell, uh, the chairman of the Fed, has said, yes, last night, the Fed will soon be able to measure the effects of the coronavirus. I would imagine there are also people looking at ways in which they can um, profit from it. They look at companies which are going down at the moment. Look through the noise for us and tell us what you think is going on. Yeah, it's kind of the uh, unsavoury side, I guess, to these things, which is what always makes it so uncomfortable to kind of talk about, is that uh, on the one hand, you're talking about this virus, which is infecting thousands of people, now actually killing thousands of people, and obviously, naturally, people who work in this type of industry are trying to work out how it affects their money and how it affects their investments. Um, And like you say, there's... It's been a bit of a strange market in terms of how it's responded to this. The initial sell-off uh, was quite vast and wide-ranging. Um, the fear uh, of what it could become uh, really sent people into the kind of safe into 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 the arms of the, these kind of safe haven instruments and um uh, and it, it, the, the kind of pa- almost kind of panic setting and then since then it, it's actually become much worse than people were fearing at the time and yet the markets just don't reflect that uh these the, we've got european stock markets at record highs u.s stock markets at record highs there are individual stocks within that that have not fared so well as you've alluded to things like things that have been directly impacted uh, the likes of the airlines, the likes of the luxury retailers, etc. So investors may potentially uh, sniff out an opportunity here um, for, for stocks that are effectively trading at a discount as a you, result you, of this. You're presumably looking at healthcare stocks, wouldn't you, in a situation like this? Yeah, they're the type of stocks that have, I think have done quite well uh, already, to be honest, because like, like, I think we've talked about the show before, the, the, the mass companies um, uh, they, they saw their stocks surge initially because the demand, obviously, for these face masks uh, was going to grow rapidly, whereas I guess the, if, you, if you're looking at this purely from a market's perspective, then the opportunity you would think potentially lies now in the stocks that are trading at a, trading at a heavy discount as a result of this. Um, you look at something like oil prices, for example. It's, it's Like I said, it's been really strange, the, the market reaction, because we've got stock markets at record high, so clearly risk appetite hasn't been affected. It seems like the most accurate actual reflection of what how damaging this is uh, and, what, um, and how bad it could become is actually in oil prices, because that's directly impacted by the impact on the, the knock-on effect on the economy rather than um, rather than the, the economic impact being overshadowed by the fact that central banks can just come in and quit interest rates and keep stock markets elevated. So so Brent crude prices, for example, have fallen, I think, more than 20% uh, over the course. And it really has been like a straight line low. We've seen a bounce in the last day or two because uh, we had those fewer reported cases. But then all you have to do is take uh, take one step back and look overnight. And it seems that uh, the, with the change in methodology in terms of how cases are confirmed uh, in terms of being clinically diagnosed um, then all of a sudden these numbers are much higher than feared but again investors just seem to shrug these things off they, they, with they incredible do, ease they? yeah absolutely and, and they're looking at um, they're, they're looking at these these things on, on a daily basis they're, they're guessing that economic activity won't be hit too much. Um, let's move to London and this continuing fight, now a lot of positioning going on here about the, the, the City of London, the financial services, UK financial services, access to to the EU and to to European markets. Is it a big issue as far as you're concerned, or is it just more Brexit noise? 
Well, we have to remember, obviously, the uh, the services uh, industry, the financial industry, is a huge part of the UK economy. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, it's been configured that way very intentionally, and it's grown um, over the course of the, a number of decades. And it's also massively uh, a massive contributor to the to the tax purse um, each and every year. So it, it's not something that can be ignored, but also it's going to have it's going to be something that's going to ultimately depend on regulation. Uh, it, there needs to be alignment on on the regulatory side in order for businesses to have this easy access to the EU as part of any future agreement. It's not going to be part of a trade deal per se. It's very much going to be part of the regulatory side. At this moment in time, Europe doesn't have an alternative which can compete uh, with the UK uh, in terms of its financial services offering and in terms of its ability to carry out all of the processes which happen mostly here in the city of London. So therefore, in the near term, the UK does have leverage. But what the UK wants to be careful not to do is almost, is almost uh, be so difficult as a partner that, uh, that that you encourage Europe to 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 find uh, an, an alternative, which I'm sure it will naturally be looking out already. But we, well, we obviously seen various cities across Europe competing for UK business, whether that's Dublin, whether it's Frankfurt, um, etc., competing for UK business. But you kind of get a sense that they're competing for parts of business that, that, are, or, that are effectively up for grabs. I can't imagine many of these will want to take on the responsibility that effectively comes with having a massive, well, the world's largest financial centre. Uh, and But that's it's all a case of incentive. If they're incentivized to do so, then they will be forced uh, to do that. So it's it's a very careful balancing act. Another cry of pain from a, a high street retailer. This is F Hines, the the family jewellery business, saying that business rates are too high and and favour business parks. Um, I, I'm not sure why that's a story. To be honest, I mean we sort of know this, don't we? Um, and it, and it, it's the way things are going. The high street is shrinking, and local councils will have a lot to do, won't they, to try to reverse. That process. Well, I think I think it's it's one of these things where you, the businesses have been constantly fighting this for years now, and it seems that government is do, not doing enough to support uh, the high street. Um, I know that we are in an in an evolving. Um, place right now with regards to how people shop and um, you don't want to necessarily just fight that trend and throw bad cash after good but at the same time the high street is a hugely important part of uh, huge, still a hugely important part of of society uh, and that's what these businesses are trying to say and I think you have to constantly remind the public you have to constantly have this out in the public uh, if, if you are going to get anywhere on it because quite clearly government isn't doing enough already to protect these businesses and I think what this particular company and what a number of other ones that it's partnered up with the point that they are trying to make is they're not necessarily saying we are concerned for those who are situated within these shopping malls or who are situated on these really busy high streets like Oxford Circus, for example. What they're concerned about is the smaller towns and villages where it no longer makes any sense for these companies to do business, where you are seeing stores close and where you are reducing, where you are not at that critical mass anymore, which means that you are, you're forced to move your businesses to busier areas. And what that does is it means that you get fewer of these uh, kind of shopping districts, but that comes at the expense of local communities. And it also comes at the expense of those who are not as easily able to travel to the bigger towns in order to go shopping. So it's something that the government has to think about before it's too late, because you can of it, we're kind of going down a road of irreversible damage here and we've been talking about this for so many months years uh, at this point and you you can ask the question has enough been done and the answer is quite simply no
listening to the BP story, pressure from stakeholders and shareholders, it's going to be incredibly difficult, isn't it, to monitor that? It's such a long time span, and, and I think the new CEO is saying everything that people want to hear right now, it's a hot topic, and um, we are speaking a lot more about it, and this is obviously one of the first, this is a major firm that, in many people's eyes, is kind of at the centre of the storm. Uh, you are literally uh, producing uh, the oil itself. Um, it's... It, ultimately, it's ambitious, and it, it, but it's where the world's heading. Like the, these companies uh, have to look at these other options and have to or to stay up, otherwise they're not going to be profitable in the future. We are moving to uh, a world where the government wants to uh, remove petrol and diesel sales uh, of deep petrol and diesel cars and hybrid cars by 2035 or even 2032. Other countries have been even more aggressive, some less so, but have targets up to 20. 40. So if you are an oil and gas company, if you don't have an evolving strategy which which involves uh, a greener outlook, then you are going to be left behind and you're not going to be paying those £8 billion dividends. I mean, ultimately, that's just the the, 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 the world that we now live in. But it, it's, I think what, for me, is really encouraging right now is that this is a conversation which has really been at the forefront um, and in the headlines now for around a year and we are still talking about it and we are seeing companies now being pressured to do more because this is something that even though obviously climate change itself is not bad, it's very much a, uh, a, a an issue that we have to deal with. It is something that could have become a bit of a media fad for a short period of time and then the kind of pressure taken off the companies to really take aggressive action. And the fact that we are still talking about it, the fact that companies are being pressured to do so, I think is 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 extremely encouraging because ultimately this is a massive problem that we do have to take deal with head on. What's your, what's your take on the Google story? I mean, mine is that lawyers will make an enormous amount of money and maybe the consumers don't care. Um, apparently they will when prices go up. Do you think that's ever going to happen? I mean, so it, it's it's really difficult. I think I think it's important that these companies are challenged because ultimately if you just give them free reign to kind of set the rules and to choose where and how to follow them, then you are getting to a point where they are not... The, the, the phrase is always too big to fail, but it's almost uh, kind of too big to take on uh, when, when you are talking about the European Commission versus Google and who's got the best lawyers and who's uh, who, who's ultimately going to dictate what the playing field's going to look like and how even it's going to be. So it, I think it's an important battle and in a, in a, in a world where it feels like Europe, the European regulators are the only ones big enough and willing to challenge these companies, um, I, I think it's I, I think it's really important. But ultimately, I think the rules are only going to tweak. They're not going to draw. I don't think we're going to see dramatic changes. Um, and yes, the, the lawyers are going to do extremely well out of this, and the courts are going to be very busy. But um, I, I do think it's it's people are crying out for more regulation. People are crying out for the regulators to do more because um, because this this landscape has evolved so rapidly, and these companies have grown so quickly that uh, that action is completely necessary but then we look at other areas where the regulate where, where, where europe and others have 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 taken a stance uh, and tried to modernize their response to uh, this growing industry things like data protection and everything europe very much at the forefront of that and i think consumers will broadly agree that yes this makes life more challenging for companies and it makes it more challenging for the tech firms but ultimately it does come uh, 
with the idea of protecting the consumer and I think people are broadly happy with this but this is going to be a, a, a rapidly evolving landscape and the regulators need to stay ahead and these type of court cases which are going to last years which are going to be challenged where lawyers are going to make a lot of money are completely necessary part of the process unfortunately Craig Earlham thank you very much indeed The Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda Online trading currency data money transfers 